0: Oh, my God. Well, a very good day to you, my friends. Welcome once again to Come To Me. My name is Jim Manfredonia. As always, a great joy to be here with you on this lovely January 12th, 2022, uh, praying you're having a blessed, happy, holy day and uh, staying warm. It is a bit brisk out there today, uh, but I'm happy you're here. I'm happy you're sharing this day, this midday, midweek program, this Wednesday program. And of course, what I do on Wednesdays usually, uh, because the Holy Father does have his general audience on Wednesdays. I want to share with you uh, some of his teaching, and it continues uh, his catechesis on St. Joseph, so we'll talk about that. And then later on in the program, uh, you know, we know uh, St. Pope John Paul II, his famous, I guess, phrase that is most attached to him is, be not afraid. Uh, Those words he spoke uh, as he was introduced to the world upon his election as Holy Father. Back in just I guess 1998 99 just before the the uh, jubilee year, uh, this book was released called "Crossing the Threshold of Hope" by John Paul II. And what was, John Paul II, but what it was, what it is, uh, a series of questions that a uh, a television uh, interviewer had sent to the Holy Father. There was originally supposed to be a, a, a television uh, interview with him. That didn't happen. But the questions were sent to John Paul II, and uh, the producer of the program and the the host of the program actually thought it wasn't going to happen. But he was very surprised one day when he received an envelope from the Vatican, and every question was answered in detail by John Paul in writing, and that has be- that became this book, Crossing the Threshold of Hope. Uh, so we know Saint Pope John Paul II used the term uh, "Be not afraid" when he addressed. The world back in October 1978, so many years ago. And uh, we know that that is a phrase that is uh, uh, usually attached to John Paul. If we think about things he said, that's probably the first thing that pops into our head, be not afraid. But in this, I'm going to share with you a little later on from this book, the interviewer asked John Paul about that particular phrase, be not afraid. And um, kind of goes into details to why he used it. So I thought it was very interesting. I'll share it with you a little, little later on. We're going to pray first, though, my friends. So uh, wherever you are, and of course, we are also coming to you on our four domestic church media radio stations, all of our other audio platforms, Amazon Echo, Google Home Assistance. Our streaming audio, our, and I hope and pray you have downloaded our free Domestic Church Media mobile app. You can listen there and watch because we're coming to you on YouTube. Our YouTube channel as well, youtube.com slash Media. Uh, so wherever you are, I invite you to pray with me and with and for each other here as we cross the many miles. It uh, used to be, I used to say, from coast to coast, from the Atlantic to the Delaware, but uh, we are going way beyond those boundaries now with all the technology that we use. Thanks be to God. And we're praying still this prayer of consecration, uh, consecrating our families to the Holy Family of Nazareth. The family is under horrible attack. There is enormous division uh, for many reasons. Um, and we know that Sister Lucia did say, Sister Lucia, one of the seers from Fatima, uh, I believe it was late 1940s, but she had told... Um, a particular priest, that the final battle uh, between good and evil would be over the family and marriage. And so we know the attacks are strong. So we want to consecrate our families to the Holy Family of Nazareth. We still have some of these to share with you. I I have, You know, last year we started doing this and uh, had a few thousand that were donated to us by the Knights of Columbus. We still have uh, many, many of these prayer cards, so you're certainly welcome to request them. And we're happy to send them to you uh, free of charge. We even pick up the postage. Uh, just go to our website, domesticchurchmedia.org, and click on the prayer link, and you'll see uh, there's an opportunity to uh, request any, whatever amount you want. You can pass them out to family and friends, your prayer group, your parish, if Father allows it. Um, so let, let's, let's pray this prayer, and uh, remembering each other in our prayers for special intentions. And we begin in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. O Lord Jesus, you lived in the home of Mary and Joseph in Nazareth. There you grew in age, wisdom, and grace as you prepared to fulfill your mission as our Redeemer. We entrust our family to you. O blessed Mary, you are the mother of our Savior. At Nazareth, you cared for Jesus and nurtured him in the peace and joy of your home. We entrust our family to you. O St. Joseph, you provided a secure and loving home for Jesus and Mary and gave us a model of fatherhood while showing us the dignity of work. We entrust our family to you. Holy Family, we consecrate ourselves and our family to you. May we be completely united in a love that is lasting, faithful, and open to the gift of new life. Help us to grow in virtue, to forgive one another from our hearts, and to live in peace all our days. Keep us strong in faith, persevering in prayer, diligent in our work, and generous toward those in need. May our home, O Holy Family, truly become a domestic church, where we reflect your example in our daily life. Amen. And we pray our prayers to St. Michael and Our Lady as Holy Father asked to pray to protect the church from the attacks of the devil. And we've added to that to protect our homes our families, and our country from the attacks of the devil. And so we pray, St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray, and do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. We fly to thy protection, O Holy Mother of God. Do not despise our petitions and our necessities, but deliver us always from all dangers, O glorious and blessed Virgin. Amen. And we pray, Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, we love you. Pray for us. Venerable Archbishop Sheen, pray for us. Saint Pope John Paul II, pray for us. Our Lady of the Good Remedy, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Well, again, my brothers and sisters, thank you so much for uh, praying. Uh, It's always a wonderful way, the best way to start our time together when we meet. And uh, thanks also for continuing to send us your prayer requests, uh, either by email or uh, in the mail. Um, We have our beautiful little prayer basket right across the hallway here in our very, very beautiful chapel of the Holy Family where we have the Blessed Sacrament reserved in the tabernacle. And we put those prayer intentions right there uh, next to the tabernacle and pray for you. And I pray for you in my daily prayers in the chapel before the tabernacle. So uh, please keep them coming. It it gave me great joy uh, throughout Advent and Christmas and uh, throughout the year because we consider that a a major part of our apostolate as family. Uh, So we do Welcome them and welcome your prayer intentions. And as I said uh, the other day, you know, we're, we're hoping that uh, soon uh, our good friend Bruce DeBacco will be all settled uh, in his new home uh, uh, in upstate New York. My goodness, we got to pray. Because I, I, I take a look at the weather up there sometimes. They get lots of snow in the Rochester area, apparently. and uh, uh, But anyway, so Bruce will be uh, doing his program, Come to the Throne, remotely from, I guess, what is now our Domestic Church Media satellite office in the Rochester, New York area. Uh, we just have, haven't settled on a date yet, but we have uh, um, loaned Bruce some remote equipment that he can do it right there from the comfort of his home. And uh, it's always a very special time when Bruce comes and prays. So hopefully that'll be happening soon. Um, and uh, so just keep those prayers coming, and we'll be sure to include them in the prayer time with, with Bruce as well. And uh, you know, my friends, this uh, this looking at today's date, the twelfth of January, already how fast the time is going, um, we want to thank all of you who did respond so generously to our um, request last month for support. We had we set a goal of fifty thousand dollars, and that goal was met. And the reason we set that goal was because it would enable us to end the year uh, fiscally sound but also be a little proactive uh, by helping us in these first three months of the new year, which traditionally are um, uh, very slow uh, as far as uh, fundraising goes or donations go, people recovering from, I guess, their Christmas spending. So uh, reaching, having reached that goal of $50,000 gave us a little cushion, or gives us a little cushion now in these first three months of the new year, but it's only a cushion if you continue to give as you normally give. So uh, we ask you, please, to uh, not forget us in whatever way you can. I know that the economy right now is, is, is in a crazy state, um, but we also know that God, Almighty God, will never be outdone in generosity, and that your generosity, your charity will be returned to you multiple times over. Jesus promises us that. And when you do support domestic church media, you allow us, again, to, to, to provide a haven of hope uh, for so many people in a world that is so lacking hope right now. And the devil loves to rob us of our hope. He loves to rob us of our joy. He loves to rob us of our hope. And uh, we know that Jesus is our hope. And the Holy Spirit gives that great gift of joy. And hopefully when you come here, it reinforces that for you. It provides for you a place where you can uh, rest in the love of the Lord and rest in the joy of the Holy Spirit and rest in the hope that is Jesus in these days that uh, we really do need to have that that supernatural hope that goes beyond even our own because of uh, the way the world is. But again, all of that only happens when you support us. So please pray for us first and foremost and continue to support us as you normally have. And that cushion that we so generously received back in December will really serve its purpose. It's not a cushion unless we have normally uh, received what you what you donate each month. So uh, thank you for that, and, and thank you for your prayers and for supporting us in those ways. And I also want to remind you, and I mentioned it yesterday, uh, on our bulletin board, on our website, domesticchurchmedia.org, um, there is opportunity for you to post Events uh, in your parish, and you know now, of course, with technology, uh, many of the events that I see posted on our site uh, are virtual. And uh, so, I first of all encourage you to go and check out the bulletin board. It's a domesticchurchmedia dot org, and up in the upper right hand corner, there's a little link that says bulletin board. Just click on that, and it brings up a calendar. You can click on any day where there's a little little gray circle. That means there is at least one event, and in some cases, multiple events happening on that particular day, and it'll give you all the information. But it also provides for you an opportunity to submit an event. So if you have something coming up in your parish, you know, we need to really uh, come together as family, as church, Uh, and I know many of the parishes are doing this. I know uh, Father Jeff, God bless him, over at St. Mary, Mother of God, is having one of his healing masses this week. Um... I'm not quite sure if it's on our Bulls and yet, but I did receive an email from uh, them. And uh, there's a lot of opportunity for us to get together. Don't be afraid. And we're going to talk about this, John Paul, uh, and uh, that beautiful uh, teaching of to, to not be afraid. And, and you know that right now, many people are afraid, aren't they? They're afraid of a lot of things. And we mustn't fear. Uh, you know, we certainly need to be prudent and we need to be careful and we need to be cautious, but not fear. The devil wants to instill fear in us because when. We are afraid we become very vulnerable to the powers that be, whatever those powers are, natural or supernatural, and we mustn't be afraid. So we're going to go to John Paul later on, uh, and from his own writing, uh, he'll talk about why he used that phrase at the very beginning of his pontificate, Be Not Afraid, which was uh, 22 years before the turn of the century. You know, He was elected in 1978. And so uh, that's a long time. It's practically a generation away from the threshold of hope, the the Jubilee year, the year 2000, which is now 22 years behind us. So time is moving on, and we mustn't live in this life in fear. The only fear we should have is fear of offending God, fear of the Lord, fear of hurting him, fear of letting him down, fear of turning our backs on him. That's the only fear we should have is fear of the Lord, but this unnecessary fear that's, that's enveloping the, the world and society and so many individuals and people and families. So we'll get to John Paul in just a little bit, but first we're going to go to Holy Father, Pope Francis, and his general audience today. And uh, he continued his cycle of catechesis on St. Joseph, the carpenter. Today being the seventh installment that he began in November, he noted that the gospel writers, Matthew and Mark, described Joseph as a carpenter or joiner, J O I N E R, carpenter or joiner. And he said the Greek term tekton, that's spelled T E K T O N, tekton, used to specify Joseph's work has been translated in various ways, and, and the Latin fathers of the church rendered it as meaning carpenter. And Holy Father said, but let's bear in mind that in the Palestine of Jesus' time, wood was used not only to make plows and various pieces of furniture, but also to build houses, which had wooden frames and terraced roofs made of beams connected with branches and earth. And Pope Francis said, therefore, carpenter, or joiner, as is translated, was a generic qualification indicating both woodworkers and craftsmen engaged in activities related to construction. The Pope explained that Joseph's trade, which he passed on to Jesus, did not provide the Holy Family with great earnings. know, he was a tradesman. Uh, the Holy Family was not a wealthy family, as Holy Father said. Uh, the, uh, this biological fact about Joseph and Jesus makes me think of all the workers in the world, especially those who do grueling work in mines in certain factories, those who are exploited through undocumented work, the victims of labor. We've seen a lot of this in Italy recently, the Holy Father said, the children who are forced to work and those who rummage among the trash in search of something useful to trade. You see, this, this pandemic as you know, has, has wreaked havoc on the world. It's destroyed lives and is destroying lives. But not the necessarily the pandemic in and of itself. But society's reaction to the pandemic. And no one's denying that there's a virus out there. I had it. Cheryl had it. The SARS-CoV-2 virus. We had it. People generically call it COVID. Well, COVID is the disease that is a result of the virus becoming extreme. The virus that we had, and it's noted we had it because we had the antibodies, so we had the virus. Didn't have COVID per se because we weren't we we weren't hospitalized. We didn't have the severe lung infections which is what COVID is, we had the virus that could cause the disease. But we said we know it's out there, and we know uh, that it has certainly uh, devastated our culture. But now we're finding out from the CDC themselves that many of these reported deaths from quote-unquote COVID are inaccurate, so the whole thing is just is just wreaked havoc, and more so our response to it. You know, uh, right now Cheryl uh, is she's been she's had this bronchial. Uh, she went to the doctor last night. It's not it's not COVID or SARS CoV two. It's bronchitis. You know, there are other other diseases out there besides this one thing, and. As Holy Father said, so bad has it become throughout the world, and he mentioned Italy in particular, that children are forced to work and those who rummage through the trash in search of something useful to trade because of families being out of work and and, uh, just a horrible situation. And the Holy Father noted it was social injustice when men and women were unable to earn money to feed their families, stressing that labor is connected to human dignity. And he explained that work was not only a way of earning a living, but also an essential component of human life and even the path of sanctification. You know, I said a couple times now in, in the New Year that, you know, as far as resol- New Year's resolutions go, I, I don't personally make them per se, other than to say my resolution is not to make a resolution. But I, I think one resolution we all should make at the beginning of a new year, is to just become holier, to work on our personal sanctification. And Holy Father said, work itself uh, is an essential component to that. We're all given gifts to use. You know, there's that that wonderful quote that if you uh, do, as a vocation in life, what you love to do, you never work a day in your life. You know, some of us are very blessed to be able to do what comes very naturally and what we love doing. And it doesn't really quite seem like work at times. So we work, but it doesn't seem like quote unquote work. It's if you really love what you're doing. And that's a great blessing from God. But well, we all work, God gives us great gifts to use. You know, there's that another wonderful quote uh, that I've heard, and I'm sure you've heard it, uh, that the talents that we have as individuals are God's gift to us. When we use those talents, it's our gift back to God. It's a shame to have a wasted talent and not use it, right? The so Holy Father said work is even, works uh, a component of, on the path to sanctification, personal holiness. He said, unfortunately, however, labor is often a hostage to social injustice, and rather than being a means of humanization, it becomes an existential periphery. He said, I often ask myself, uh, with what spirit do we do our daily work? How do we deal with fatigue? Do we see our activity as linked only to our own destiny or also to the destiny of others? You know, how does our work and what we do, how does it affect others? Well, certainly, you know, I remember one time know, many, many years ago, uh, I went to Seton Hall University. And uh, that's where I earned my my bachelor's degree in communications um, but at my first uh, couple of years, my first two years of, of going there, I was a commuter. Uh, I think it's less of a commuter school now than it was when I was going there back in the mid nineteen seventies. It was uh, Seton Hall was a very, very uh, in New Jersey in the area it was a very um, popular commuter school. There were people who did live there, but uh, I think the majority of the student population at the time was commuters. And I was one of them. And, and my father, we lived in the, in the New Brunswick, New Jersey area. My dad worked up in Bloomfield. And of uh, course, Seton Hall is uh, on the way to Bloomfield If you could, when you go on the parkway. So in the first couple of years of uh, my college life as a commuter, I didn't have a car. And uh, my father, I would go with my father in the morning. Drive. He would drop me off and those of you who know the area, <laughs> exit 144 off the parkway, I'll never forget, which was South Orange Avenue. Um, he would drop me off there, which was a cemetery. <laughs> and the bus coming from Newark would stop there and it would continue down South Orange Avenue when I get off at, at Seton Hall University. It was scary sometimes in the winter because it was cold, number one, dark. <laughs> I'd be standing there waiting for the bus, but... Uh, so I was 18, 19 years old, driving up there with my father. We had about an hour's ride together. It's a shame now because, you know, when you're an 18 or 19 year old, uh, usually don't have a lot to say to your father (laughs) or vice versa. There's that little bit of a, you know, a little bit of a gap. Uh, There's that wonderful, uh, phrase that is attributed to Mark Twain. I don't really know if it is actually his. Bing Crosby used it uh, in, uh, I think, going my way. When I was 18, I thought that my father was the most ignorant man in the world. When I was 21, I was amazed to find out how much he had learned in three years. (laughs) So the maturity... So uh, I'm 18, 19, driving to work with my dad, and and not having a lot of conversation. But at the time, I was I was a little I just really wasn't into the college scene. <laughs> I wanted to be a singer. I wanted to be a saloon singer. And I was talk to my father. So, you know, I'm thinking about maybe uh, leaving college, dropping out. You know, and, you know, of course, you don't tell that to your father, who's a strong proponent of education, higher education. And we would have conversation, and I would say to him, you know, I want to do something I like, and I love singing. And he would tell me, life's lessons, you know, you don't always get that opportunity, and sometimes you have to do what you have to do. And I said, well, do you like—my father was a chemist by trade. I said, do you like what you do? He goes, "Mm, not all the time, no, but a man's got to do what a man's got to do. I have a wife and family, and I have to support them. So I guess what I'm driving at is exactly what Holy Father is saying here, that, you know, sometimes that that— uh, you know, even in the work we do, especially as a man, as as the head of the family, you have to do what you have to do, and and you have to see that our activity in in, in our life, especially in our vocation as in work, uh, is not only linked to our own destiny, but it's resp- our responsibility to others, especially our family. Holy Father said, "It is good to think about the fact that Jesus Himself." worked, and had learned his craft from St. Joseph. Today we should ask ourselves what we can do to recover the value of work and what contribution we can make as the church so that work can be redeemed from the logic of mere profit and can be experienced as a fundamental right and duty of the person, which expresses and increases his or her dignity. Now, I know probably a good number of you listening right now are probably retired, right? I'm not retired yet, obviously. I still work every day. Um, I don't know that I what I would do if I retired personally. I need to be doing, feel that I, I'm using the gifts that God has given me, and that's, I say that in all humility, and we all should acknowledge the gifts we have. In thankfulness and gratitude to Almighty God, in humility, understanding that these are indeed gifts, and I've been doing uh, Catholic radio now for over twenty-six years, and um, I've been in the presence of people as you know, I invite have invited people to be guests on the program, or uh, you know, and come to the radio studio and do something, and uh, people become very intimidated by the microphones and and the, and the the soundboard and and the other things the technology that we use uh, for me and I know it's a gift from God it's a, it's 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 just second nature it always came naturally God gave me the voice that I have I know that's a gift from God uh, and again I say that in humility but my voice changed between uh, my fourth grade and fifth grade years the summer between my between fourth and fifth grade my voice dropped down to about where it is now. It's gotten a little deeper, I guess, as I've gotten older. But from that point on, from fifth grade, sixth grade, people would always say, oh, you have a, a good voice for radio. And I always thought, well, I don't want do <laughs> to do radio. I don't want to do radio. I want to be a baseball player. Then I want to be a singer. Then I, but here I am. God gave the gift, and we use it. And so these wonderful opportunities that we have, and, and Holy Father, in, 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 in teaching about good St. Joseph and the work that he did as a carpenter as a joiner and passing it on and teaching the Lord who also was a carpenter uh, to use those gifts and skills I can't do that I wish you know if there was one gift that I wish I did have it would be that to be able to do carpentry and to be able to to use my hands to to refurbish and and build I, I just don't have that <laughs> I, I don't have that gift or that skill um, it was one I wish that I, I did have, though. I've tried, but I'm not very good at it. And uh, I'm, I'm always so impressed by people who can do those things. It really, really impresses me. So whatever gifts God gives us and we use, it's not just about us. It's about serving the Lord by using those gifts. And it doesn't just affect us, Holy Father. said It affects other people. And how it affects other people is important and how we use these gifts that he has given us and the gifts that we have. So that was his teaching today on good St. Joseph. I actually thought that his teachings on St. Joseph were only going to last a few weeks, but he's continuing now into the new year, which is great. Um, so we'll look forward to his uh, general audience next week. I did notice, though, that uh, you know, because the weather this time of year in Rome is, is uh, usually inclement and, and cold, They moved the general audience from St. Peter's Square into uh, St. Paul the Sixth Hall on the Vatican grounds. But I did see a photograph of it today, and I noticed that uh, it was a very sparse crowd. So I I don't know whether people are just being more cautious about being in public settings or whatever. But uh, we gotta pray all this away and get back to normal. Okay, I'll take a break when I come back. We're gonna go to John Paul's own words on why he spoke the words "Be not afraid." Uh, at his uh, beginning of his pontificate back in 1978. So stay where we are. Be right back. 60 Seconds with Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen.
1: In the history of the world, only one tomb has ever had a rock roll before it and a soldier set to guard it to prevent a dead man from rising. And that was the tomb of Christ on the evening of the friday call good what spectacle could be more ridiculous than armed soldiers keeping their eyes on a corpse but sentinels were set lest the dead walk the silent speak and the pierced heart quicken to the throb of life they said he was dead they knew he was dead they said he would never rise again and yet They watched. They remembered that he called his body the temple, and that in three days after they had destroyed it, he would rebuild it. The people you know and trust are on EWTN.
2: The Leading Catholic Voices are on EWTN Radio.
1: One of the things that we often think about in our spiritual lives is how to do something big for God. But really, most of the time, we should focus on how we can do something small for God. It's these small things that help us consecrate our ordinary daily activities and help us do everything for Jesus Christ.
0: Catholic Answers Live. Heard right here on Domestic Church Media, weeknights at 6.
1: When you give into thinking that's ripping you to shreds, that deflates your confidence, that caves into all your fear, you're not just thinking negatively. You're thinking in a way that's unholy. God wants His people to face everyday life not just redeemed from sin, but with redeemed attitudes, redeemed thinking, a redeemed sense of who they are. Stop beating yourself up between your ears all day. No wonder why you look tired all the time. St. Paul wrote, We take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. You should think like someone who believes in a God who created you with purpose, who gives meaning to every experience, even suffering, who bestowed dignity and royalty upon you, and who destined you for eternal glory. And why should you think that way? Because it's all true. So when the way you think builds you up instead of ripping you down, that's not just positive thinking. That's godly and holy thinking. This is Chris Stefanik from reallifecatholic.com on EWTN Radio.
2: Father Benedict Groschel. There are all legitimate differences of opinion in any religion. There are differences of opinion in Catholicism. But in Catholicism, you expect that people will take the teaching of its supreme authority seriously. To go diametrically opposed to those teachings is to not be a Catholic. Someone in the name of Catholicism is sponsoring the destruction of human life lives of unborn children, and they got the name Catholic on the door. The highest authority in Catholicism in the encyclical, Humanae Vitae, Evangelium Vitae, is absolutely clear that no Catholic can support abortion and that Catholics are responsible to take serious action against legalized abortion. The leading Catholic voices are on EWTN Radio. The leading Catholic voices are on EWTN radio. Every single day, I get to help our listeners of the Sunrise Morning Show wake up, find out what's going on in the church and the world, and then walk with them as we all seek to grow in knowledge and love of Jesus Christ and the Catholic faith. I mean, how could it get any better?
0: The Sunrise Morning Show with Anna Mitchell and Matt Swain. Heard right here on Domestic Church Media, weekday mornings at 7. 7.
1: 60 Seconds with Mother Angelica.
2: It's like the, the brides, you know, 10 were very, very fervent, and they had oil in their lamp, and they had oil, extra oil. Here were 10 that didn't, they had oil in their lamps, but no extra oil. Now the bridegroom is coming, and those who had just the oil in their lamp all went out. And they said, give me some of your oil. And they said, hey, we can't, lest we too ran out. Now, the first thought in your mind is, they're uncharitable. Why didn't they share, right? I know what you're thinking. I thought the same thing. But see, when we die, my friends, when the bridegroom calls you and me, there's no more time to get oil. You've had five years, 10 years, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80. You've got to repent. You've got to go ahead of time and put oil in that lamp.
1: The people you know and trust are on EWTN.
0: All righty, welcome back on this lovely January 12th, 2022. I hope you're staying warm, although it is a little warmer than it was yesterday, right? It may be only 40 degrees, but it's uh, 20 degrees (laughs) warmer than it was yesterday. Uh, Happy you are here, though, and sharing this day. Hopefully we're bringing some warmth to your life today. Uh, We're going to go to this book uh, that came out, I think it was 1998, uh, 1994, sooner than I, earlier than I thought. But it was, as I said earlier, back in 1994, obviously, or 93, 94, um, there was a a television uh, producer and a host who asked if he could do an interview with John Paul II. Who was our Holy Father at the time, obviously, and uh, in in preparation for that, the they wrote out a number of questions uh, for that John Paul would have was going to be asked on the program. So they just as he could prepare, they they sent them the questions. And as things turned out, John Paul's schedule just wasn't. Uh, it was a very busy schedule, obviously, and you know he traveled a lot. And, the, the whole television interview thing just wasn't going to happen. And and they were producers, it was an Italian television producer and, and host. They were disappointed, obviously, but one day they were very surprised when an envelope from the Vatican arrived um, from John Paul himself. And every one of the questions was answered in in depth, in detail. And that became this book, Crossing, Crossing the Threshold of Hope. And the last... Um, or second to last question was on the phrase "Be not afraid." Let me just read you what the Italian producer uh, how they phrased the question to John Paul. They wrote they wrote this: "This is to John Paul. As you have recalled during our conversation, it certainly was no accident that your papacy began with a cry that had and still has profound echoes throughout the world. Be not afraid." Among the possible ways to understand this exhortation, doesn't your holiness believe that one such understanding could be this? Many have a need to be reassured, to be told to be not afraid of Christ and of his gospel, because they fear that if they return to the faith, their lives will become frustrated by demands perceived as more burdensome than liberating. So well, that was the question to John Paul. Now, remember, this is 19, early 1990s, 1993, 1994. And so many of the European countries, Italy, France, um, Ireland, that were traditionally very, very Catholic countries, um, even as early as, you know, over a generation ago, back in the early 1990s, uh, the, the 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 Catholic population has been dwindling. Yeah, I think Italy is was at one point considered. I, I'm sure it isn't now. Maybe they think they are, but like 99% Catholic. But I know Cheryl and I when we were there one time uh, with our children in Rome uh, for our uh, an anniversary. We went over there our 25th anniversary. with took our children with us and had gone to Mass at a church in Rome, about eh, maybe about four or five blocks from St. Peter's. It was a small neighborhood church uh, for the 11 o'clock Mass, and there were two other people in the church. So anyway, I think what this this, uh, interviewer was asking was the term be not afraid, to not be afraid of Christ and his gospel, because people fear that if they return to the faith, come back to the faith, their lives will become frustrated by demands perceived to be more burdensome than liberating. People see that as, you know, the, 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 the strict doctrine of the church and the teaching of the church, you know, basically don't do this, don't do that type of thing. Well, here's John Paul's written response to that question. I don't know if I can get through the whole thing. It's a few pages long. But he said, when on October 22, 1978, I said the words, Be not afraid in St. Peter's Square, I could not fully know how far they would take me and the entire church. Their meaning came more from the Holy Spirit, the consoler promised by the Lord Jesus to his disciples, than from the man who spoke them. Nevertheless, with the passing of the years, I have recalled these words on many occasions. Again, these are the words of John Paul. He wrote this down. The exhortation, Be Not Afraid, should be interpreted as having a very broad meaning. In a certain sense, it was an exhortation addressed to all people, an exhortation to conquer fear in the present world situation, as much in the East as in the West, as much in the North as in the South. Have no fear of that which you yourselves have created. Have no fear of all that man has produced and that every day is becoming more dangerous for him. Finally, have no fear of yourselves. (laughs) These words, my brothers and sisters, as I read these, these could be John Paul speaking to us from heaven right now about our current world situation. I'm going to read it again. Have no fear of that which you yourselves have created. Have no fear of all that man has produced and that every day is becoming more dangerous for him. Finally, have no fear of yourselves. And then he went on to write, Why should we have no fear? Because man has been redeemed by God. When pronouncing these words in St. Peter's Square, I already knew that my first encyclical and my entire papacy would be tied to the truth of the redemption. In the redemption, we find the most profound basis for the words, be not afraid. Then he quotes from John 3, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son. This Son, John Paul writes, is always present in the history of humanity as Redeemer, The redemption pervades all of human history, even before Christ, and prepares its eschatological future. It is the light that shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The power of Christ's cross and resurrection is greater than any evil which man could or should fear. John Paul, right? And we read it again. The power of Christ's cross and resurrection is greater than any evil which man could or should fear. And then he writes, At this point, we need to once again return to Totus Tuus. In your earlier question, you spoke of the Mother of God and of the numerous private revelations that have taken place, especially in the last two centuries. John Paul writes, I responded by explaining how devotion to Mary developed in my own personal life beginning in my own hometown, then in the shrine of Kalwaria, and finally at Yasnagora. Yasnagora became part of the history of my homeland in the 17th century as a sort of be-not-afraid spoken by Christ through the lips of his mother. On October 22, 1978, when I inherited the ministry of Peter in Rome, more than anything else it was this experience and devotion to mary in my native land which i carried with me john paul writes be not afraid christ said to the apostles and to the woman and uh, to the women rather after the resurrection according to the gospels these words were not addressed to mary strong in her faith she had no fear mary's participation in the victory of christ became clear to me above all from the experience of my people. Cardinal Stefan Wyszynski told me that his predecessor, Cardinal August Hollande, had spoken these prophetic words as he was dying. The victory, if it comes, will come through Mary. And John Paul wrote, During my pastoral ministry in Poland, I saw for myself how those words were coming true. After my election as Pope, as I became more involved in the problems of the universal church, I came to have a similar conviction. On this universal level of victory, if victory comes, it will be brought by Mary. Christ will conquer through her because he wants the church's victories now and in the future to be linked to her. I held this conviction even though I did not yet know very much about Fatima. I could see, however, that there was a certain continuity among La Salette, Lourdes, and Fatima, and in the distant past, our Polish Góra. And thus we come to May 13, 1981. Again, these are the written words of John Paul uh, that he wrote in 1994 uh, in the book Crossing the Threshold of Hope. So he writes, and thus we come to May 13, 1981. Well, you know what that date was when I was wounded by gunshots fired in St. Peter's Square. At first, I did not pay attention to the fact that the assassination attempt had occurred on the exact anniversary of the day Mary appeared to the three children at Fatima in Portugal and spoke to them the words that now, at the end of this century, seemed to be close to their fulfillment. With this event, didn't Christ perhaps say once again, Be not afraid. Didn't he repeat this Easter exhortation to the Pope, to the Church, and indirectly to the entire human family? At the end of the second millennium, we need perhaps more than ever the words of the risen Christ, Be not afraid. Now, again, this century began 22 years ago. They were 22 years out of the uh, turn of the century, when Holy Father became Holy Father, John Paul II, but he was looking again as much of his pontificate was preparation, really, for uh, the entrance into the third millennium, taking the church across that threshold of hope into the third millennium. He died only five years after that, right? So he said at the end of this second millennium, we need perhaps more than ever the words of the risen Christ, be not afraid. Man who, even after the fall of communism, has not stopped being afraid and who truly has many reasons for feeling this way, needs to hear these words. And again, I think these are words that could very well apply to the very present day, right? Nations need to hear them, especially those nations that have been reborn after the fall of the communist empire, as well as those that witnessed this event from the outside peoples and nations of the entire world need to hear these words. Their conscience needs to grow in the certainty that someone exists who holds in his hands the destiny of this passing world. Someone who holds the keys to death and the netherworld. Someone who is the Alpha and the Omega. And let's, I'm going to read those words again because even in the book here, they're italicized. And when he mentions there is someone, he capitalizes someone. So let's think about our present situation, whether it be your personal situation, the world situation, the church situation, the family situation, that causes us to fear, right? We're afraid. We're afraid of many things but John Paul I think again these words I think although he wrote them back in 1993 94 they speak to us right this very moment from heaven I believe peoples and nations of the entire world need to hear these words be not afraid their conscience needs to grow in the certainty that someone exists who holds in his hands The destiny of this passing world. Someone who holds the keys to death and the netherworld. Someone who is the Alpha and the Omega of human history, be it the individual or collective history. And this someone is love, love that became man, love crucified and risen love unceasingly present among men. It is Eucharistic love. It is the infinite source of communion. He alone can give the ultimate assurance when he says, Be not afraid. just give you goosebumps when you read these words. You know, There is a lot of fear in the world today. You know that. I know that. People fear a lot of things. People are afraid of the virus. People are afraid of the direction the country's going in. People are afraid of many, many things. But these words from John Paul really should pierce our hearts as believers, as Christians. This someone who exists, who holds in his hands the destiny of, of the passing world. This someone who holds the keys to death of the netherworld. This someone who is the alpha and the omega of human history, whether it be individual or collective history. This someone is love. Love that became man. Love crucified and risen. Love unceasingly present among men. It is Eucharistic love. It is the infinite source of communion. He alone can give the ultimate assurance when he says, Be not afraid. And John Paul continues to write. You observe the contemporary man finds it hard to return to faith because he is afraid of the moral demands that faith makes upon him. And this is, this to a certain degree, is the truth. The gospel is certainly demanding. We know that Christ never permitted his disciples and those who listened to him to entertain any illusions about this. On the contrary, he spared no effort in preparing them for every type of internal or external difficulty, always aware of the fact that they might well decide to abandon him. Therefore, if he says, Be not afraid, he certainly does not say it in order to nullify in some way that which he has required, rather, By these words, he confirms the entire truth of the gospel and all the demands it contains. At the same time, however, he reveals that his demands never exceed man's abilities. His demands never exceed man's abilities. If man accepts these demands with an attitude of faith, he will also find In the grace of God, I'm sorry, he will also find in the grace that God never fails to give him the necessary strength to meet those demands. The world is full of proof of the saving and redemptive power of the Gospels proclaimed with even greater frequency than they recall demands of the moral life. How many people are there in the world whose daily lives attest to the possibility of living out the morality of the gospel? Experience shows that a successful human life cannot be other than a life like theirs. I know that the majority of our audience, if not all of our audience here at Domestic Church Media, are good, faithful, Catholic people. We have a few who maybe are not Catholic, which is great. We're happy you're here. We have some maybe who are a little nominal in your faith right now, maybe wavering a little bit. Uh, riding the fence uh, again, we we welcome you. We thank you for being here. But the majority of our listeners are all good, faithful Catholics. We know the demands of the moral life that the Church teaches, especially in the world that is a world that is so uh, hostile uh, to those teachings. Everything you see and hear, practically, whether it be Especially through the media, television, film, music, the messages that are proclaimed are a hundred and eighty degrees away from the moral teaching of the church. And so it's not easy. and because of our fallen nature, the temptation is real to be lured into uh, situations and ideologies that that are Contradictory to those that we were raised on and and are still required to to, uh, acknowledge and live by. But Holy Father writes, St. Pope John Paul II writes, that uh, how many people are there in the world whose daily lives attest to the possibility of living out the morality of the gospel? It can be done. God gives us the grace. He never, uh, his demands never exceed our abilities. To accept the gospel's demands means to affirm all of our humanity, to see in the beauty desired by God, while at the same time recognizing in light of the power of God himself our weaknesses. What is impossible for men is possible for God. John Paul writes. These two dimensions cannot be separated on the one hand, the moral demands God makes of man, on the other hand, the demands of his saving love, the gift of his grace, to which God, in a certain sense, has bound himself. What else is the redemption accomplished in Christ if not precisely this? God desires the salvation of man. He desires that humanity find fulfillment uh, to which he himself has destined it, and Christ has the right to say to that his yoke is easy and his burden is light in the, end of the in the end um, his burden in the end is light so holy father as he again expounds on on this be not afraid uh really getting to some some very very beautiful teaching um there's only a little bit left and i only about a, have about have let less than a, a minute left here or so Uh, But, again, the book is called Crossing the Threshold of Hope. I'm sure you can still find it. Uh, This book I've had, obviously, I got it when it first came out uh, 30 years ago, almost 30 years ago. Um, But some beautiful teachings from John Paul there, his own words in writing. uh, But I thought that was a a good uh, and beautiful uh, explanation of why he chose those words to speak on the day that he— became our Holy Father. And he said, really, they came more, they came from the Holy Spirit, not himself. So, again, Crossing the Threshold of Hope, great, great book. I gotta go. Tomorrow is Thursday, Catechism Day. I'll be back then. Stay tuned now. You know, we've been, uh, changed a little bit of our schedule at 5 o'clock now with Teresa Tomio, The Catholic Connection, airing next. So, have a great rest of your day, my friends. Thank you for being a part of my day. My name is Jim Manfredonia. God bless you, and God love you.